Hello, and welcome to another episode of Decisions That Matter, a public procurement podcast brought to you by Procurated. This week's episode features a lively conversation between two great procurement minds, Lourdes Koss and David Yarkin. In her 30-plus years in public procurement, Lourdes has successfully led purchasing at the university, county, and city levels. Lourdes launched her own consulting firm in 2016 and has since spent her days helping governments achieve their own transformation plans. David Yarkin is founder and CEO of Procurated. After 20 years of leading and partnering with state and local governments, David saw that public purchasers needed a better way to evaluate supplier past performance. Inspired by successful crowdsourced review sites like Yelp and Angie's List, David launched Procurated in 2019 and since has generated tens of thousands of supplier ratings and reviews from buyers around the country. Today, Lourdes and David discuss transformation in government and how that can be achieved through an unwavering value system, building the right team around you, and adoption of emerging technologies. David also shares an exciting announcement regarding Procurated's recent partnership with NIGP. This is a really great episode, and we hope you like this one. Welcome to the Decisions That Matter podcast, where we meet with leaders from across the procurement community to discuss innovative and strategic ideas. Because when it comes to procurement, every decision matters. All right. Well, I am thrilled to talk today with Lourdes Koss, one of the great procurement leaders in America, who I've had the pleasure of knowing for a long time. So hello, Lourdes. How are you? Hey, David. It's so good to be here and uh, talking with you. We haven't done this in, in a long time. Well, I mean, not virtually, in person. <laughs> it's true. It's great. And, and um, what's fun is that you know we both have podcasts, so now we can record this and people who listen to both of our podcasts can, can hear both of us, which is really fun. I like two um, for one. Two for one. That's right. Buy one, get one free. So, you know, I, I again, I've had the pleasure of knowing you for such a long time and, and following your, your career, but for people who, who haven't had that pleasure, tell us a bit about, about your background. You know, how did you get into procurement? What was your first procurement job? Uh, tell us more about that. Oh my gosh, how much time do you have? <laughs> well, you know, I, I have been in procurement for, well, I, I had a career for 27 years and um, I retired early five years ago and started my own business. But I, I started, you know, as a, as a contract negotiator, actually, I started a financial analyst with the city of Chicago. And from there, after I developed what they asked me to develop, um, I asked for more work, and uh, they gave me A and E, and I w- that was fun. I really enjoyed it. So uh, from there, in one day, they told me, "Well, we're promoting you." It's like, "Well, great, thank you." And then it was, you know, I just kind of moved up from there. And um, but I found my niche um, leading transformations and reorganizing and 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 in just. Uh, enhancing a, a group and the performance of a group and, and just kind of bringing ideas so give me an opportunity to to use sort of my my creativity there and 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 that's the part that I really enjoy it's like I spent two decades uh, leading transformations and that um, just kind of dovetails with what I'm doing right now because I'm, I'm teaching leadership with NIGP 
I am teaching, uh, I'm a certified John Maxwell um, coach and uh, speaker. And, you know, I'm doing tons of things now. <laughs> well, my latest is uh, I got a, a, a certification in neurocoding, neurocoding specialist and uh, another certification with uh, Dr. Amen as a licensed brain trainer. So, you know, so that's, uh, that's kind of fun. Wow. <laughs> so I've been amazing. busy. Amazing. And, and so you were, so you've had a number of procurement roles through the years. Oh, yeah. Oh, Chicago, yeah. Cook County, City of Houston. Yeah, the City of Chicago, my last job there was a managing deputy as um, for, you know, for the entire city, which was, you know, which was uh, pretty substantial. Then from there, I went to the University of Illinois and Led a transformation there. Um, I had come from from the uh, Public Building Commission, and then went to the Cook County and led transformation there. I was a CPO there, and that's where I met. You know, came in contact with your first company, and and then went to uh, City of Houston as a CPO as well. And so here I am. <laughs> now I. I I uh, started my company, actually, I officially started my company last year, uh, ML Cost and Associates LLC, but I had been doing some consulting and teaching and all of that for five years. So, yeah, that's what I'm up to. What about you? Well, wow. now, <laughs> tell me about you. What, yeah. what, you know, because you have been, you were, when I, when I came in contact with you, I was a CPO of um, Cook County. So I met you at Forum uh, personally. Yeah. Yeah. And then, so I, I kind of became more aware of what the things that you were doing, but, but tell me, tell, you know, tell the listeners about your background, because you have a very interesting background as well. Yeah. So I think like a lot of people, you know, I fell into procurement. It wasn't something I went to school for or something I probably even thought I was going to kind of do, but now I am almost 20 years later and here I am still in, in the, in the space with you. So I have the really good fortune to be the chief procurement officer of Pennsylvania a few years back. And, and like you, it was all about transformation and excited to talk to you more about what transformation means in procurement and, and how you now apply it uh, with some of your clients. But we came into our jobs in Pennsylvania with a $2 billion deficit. And we were hell-bent to find ways to save money. So we, I think like you did, had a very aggressive strategic sourcing program that was aimed at maximizing the buying power of the state. And we did a great job, not because of me, but because I had really incredible people working with me. And we saved a lot of money, I think $160 million or something. But what was interesting is um, maybe we were a little bit ahead of our time, but we also really prioritized diversity, equity, and inclusion. This is way back in the early 2000s. And we quadrupled our minority business participation rate in Pennsylvania while we were saving all that money, which the consultant said you couldn't do both. You had to pick one of the two. And so that was, to me, a really foundational moment um, early in my procurement journey about the importance of using government's buying power to drive savings, but also to reinvest money in our communities, particularly in the communities that have been historically underutilized. That's so important. And it's so interesting that I just did a workshop, uh, well, not a workshop, but a, a webinar on diversity and inclusion. And I was talking about the very um, 
you know, the same thing that um, by not, you can have diversity, but if you don't have inclusion, what happens is you don't get the full benefit of the creativity of the all the contributions that you can get from all the diverse backgrounds. And what happens is you lose engagement. And when you don't have engagement, what happens is that you you get you get what you buy, you know, in terms of the job description, but all that discretionary will that, you know, the additional productivity that you can actually obtain from, from everyone, from being excited and engaged, you lose it. And that's sort of the, the you know, the big part of, of that um, productivity. And, and, you know, I actually found out, discover this myself when I was uh, working on the different transformations that if you include people and they feel that they, they are vested in the organization and that they have a purpose and they're part of making the, the you know, realizing the vision, they are much more enthusiastic, the energy goes up, and they're not only doing it for because they have to, but they, they want to. And so the productivity triples and quadruples. And so you have, you have people just coming out of the woodwork, trying to volunteer for, uh, you know, to be in committees and, 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 and things like that. So it's, um, it's, it's a very important aspect that perhaps we don't talk enough about because we talk about the diversity and inclusion from a, a single perspective, but we don't look at all the productivity and all the things that we're missing out, out in the workplace because we don't fully implement or don't understand all the dynamics that go into in, in, in implementing a program that is robust and it's diversified and it's inclusive. It's so true. And I think it's something that I think is lost on a lot of people in procurement is I think a lot of people come into the profession thinking that procurement leadership means driving big initiatives and saving a lot of money, you know, and it is, that's definitely a big part of it. But I'll never forget, I had, uh, I had lunch with the chief procurement officer of Arkansas, Jane Benton, who went on to become a colleague of mine at GSS. And Jane is this great, larger than life uh, figure. And we, we met for lunch and after lunch, she said in this great accent, which I'm gonna to try to repeat. She said, you know, David, she said, uh, procurement's not really about RFPs. It's really more about, you know, leading a team. My accent was horrible there and hopefully <laughs> our folks cut that. But, um, but the our point was right, which is being a, a, a chief procurement officer is really not in many times about procurement. It's really about leadership. It's really about identifying a goal as, a, as an organization, driving everyone towards achieving that goal. And then to your point, making everyone feel like they are part of that team and they can contribute and they know what their role is and they feel good in it. And they feel like they are included and they belong on that team. That, that's so true. And love this topic because I'm very passionate about leadership. And, and I think that we are all leaders. You know, at a minimum, you're leading yourself. 
So, you know, you're part of a community, you're part of family, and at some point you're taking a leadership role. And it's, you know, some people call it soft skills. I, I just think it's a necessary skill. And, yeah. and calling it a soft skill is a little bit of an insult. It is. It is. Um, you know, it's like communication. Well, communicate without communication, you can't be successful in everything, in anything. And so it is a soft skill. It's like, how can that be a soft skill? It is a necessary skill to even to survive and to thrive in any organization. So Anyway, uh, we can talk about this for hours. <laughs> well, I know, I mean, I know a lot of your business now, Lord, is centers around leadership, and yeah. you couldn't ask for a more relevant topic in this day and age. And I think the reason why procurement organizations want to want to work with you is they know that you've been tested, you've gone, you've been through the fires, always literally. Um, I've been there, through the ringer. Through the ringer, right? <laughs> Is, is there, and you've, man, you've worked in big organizations, highly political, right? High, very high profile, lots of scrutiny. Is there an organization that sort of tested you so much and that where you really forged your skills as a leader that you now can teach people? Like, where did that come from? Was there, is there an experience you can point to? I'm just curious about how you learned these incredible skills that now we all benefit from, from hearing you talk about. You know, I, I, I think um, some of them came more of a layered learning, just trial and error and, and just uh, understanding what strategies work, but also understanding people and trying to get into, you know, the psychology of people and, and how to really not manipulate them, but, but have influence with them and see how can I make them successful? To then what because what happens is the law of, of reciprocity. Even though I, I want to make them successful, not because I want something from them, but they in turn turn around and want to help me achieve whatever it is that I, I need to achieve based on my role. Now, one of the things that that I, I, I have, you know, experienced, which is you can only experience it, you cannot really feel what it feels uh, or know what it feels until you experience it. And, and it is understanding what your values are and how strong you are in your values. And I got to, to test that, unfortunately, at Cook County. And um, as a CPO, you know, we had, you know, like the, the situation that you describe in Pennsylvania, maybe to a lesser extent, we had a $49 million gap in the budget. And right off the bat, as I entered, I was assigned $10 million of that gap to close. And we went way past, I think we went over $120 million in, in savings identified. But um, when it comes down to um, doing the right thing, and what you know that is ethical and, 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 and right and feels right. Um, and you can say you have integrity, but until it's time to test that, you don't know how strong you feel about it. And I had to, you know, I was put in a situation that I had to test that. And I, you know, I was a single mom at that time. And I had to choose between 
providing for my daughter who was in the in at Northwestern University, uh, paying my mortgage and and all of that, and and or you know, and going with the flow, or standing for my values and putting at risk the financial aspect that comes with not having a job, and so so that was incredibly difficult, but. What I realized is that I was able to, um, you know, I, I stood on my values and I was able to, to look at my daughter, you know, straight in the eye and, help, and hold my head up high because I had done the right thing. I modeled for her the values that I wanted her, I want her to, to see that are possible, that are, that are um, that's what we, you know, as a community, that's what we need to uh, really model for everyone else so that everyone has an opportunity and everyone, you know, sees that, that they, they too have an opportunity. Um, so, you know, I, I am incredibly blessed with a daughter that, that has been, you know, and is uh, just a, a tremendous, I, I have great admiration for her because she's turned out to be such a wonderful young lady. Um, she's, as you know, she's a, she's a doctor, a, a sports medicine doctor in San Diego. And I couldn't be more proud of her. And I know, and, you know, I, I thought that, you know, it was going to be hard and, and it was, but from the emotional perspective, the support that I got from the people that believed in, and saw the difficult decision, it was incredible. So. Amazing. And, and it's, um, the thing is when you run a procurement organization, you have a lot of people who just say yes to you. Yes. And so you need to yourself have a really good sense about what's right and what's wrong, what's fair, what's unfair, what you'd be willing to live with on the front page of the Chicago Tribune or the Philadelphia Inquirer. And mm -hmm. I always said to my staff, you never want to go to bed at night. Wait, afraid of what's going to be the paper the next morning. So as long as whatever you're doing, you could, you'd be happy with the front page of the paper, that's a good way to guide. But it's interesting. I remember when I got to Pennsylvania, and I, I'm sure I made a lot of mistakes, but one of the things I did early was I said, you know, you are, no one is allowed to have lunch with a vendor. Mm -hmm. I said, I want you to communicate often and frequently with our suppliers to learn from them, to be partners. But the worst thing for us would be you go to lunch with a vendor, even if you're paying yourself, and their competitors at the table next to you and the supplier that you had lunch with wins. People are gonna allege all kinds of things. They probably won't be true, but it's, we need to be, you know, have an incredibly pure reputation as being a place where everyone can expect that we're gonna treat every supplier fairly and evenly. Yeah, absolutely. And that, that's so true. Um, I'm glad you brought that up because um, I used to tell my team, you you can afford a lunch, you know whatever it is you can afford a lunch, um, and I and I made um, I I did my best to make sure that my team was compensated well, you know to I, <laughs> the maximum I could get, but um, it, you know I always uh, said that, and when I found myself in a situation where um, you know I was part of a a group. Um, where I realized that the, the supplier was attempting to pay, what I would do is 
either make it known that I'm going to pay mine or just pay for the whole thing. So, because just not worth it. And it's interesting, you know, I, I and this may be part of what you teach when you're teaching people to be leaders, but I think a big part of leadership is just setting the right example. And in the same way that you held your head high and stuck to your guns and, and that probably did influence the incredible woman that your, your daughter's become, I guarantee there are people in your office in Cook County who may never have said anything to you, but who watched what you did and themselves, you know, developed a really strong ethical code by watching the example that you set for them. And that matters. And I, you know, the, you know, it'd be hypocritical for me to say to my team, you can't have lunch with a vendor and then for me to go out and have a fancy lunch with someone. Absolutely. So I didn't do it. And, you know, I'm sure I could have had some really nice meals, but I preferred to go to the cafeteria and sit with my team or if I was busy, grab a, grab something and do work at my, at my, my desk. And um, cause I think that the way that you lead, the way that you comport yourself personally matters. And when you're in a position of leadership, people are watching and you have a responsibility to set the tone. Yeah, absolutely. You're absolutely right. And, you know, I, I, because I worked in like transformations, um, lunch was a kind of a luxury for me. <laughs> Bring my sandwich and not have time to eat it. So, <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm really curious about, about the work you're doing with leadership right now. So maybe you could give me an example of a client that you've worked with recently and what was the scope of the project and what were the what was the, the leadership skills that you were teaching tell us more about that i'm really curious about that so so the the leadership skills um you know some people think that they need the position to start learning how to be a leader and um what i have been able to kind of work with teams to to let them uh realize that they are leaders in whatever, the scope may be limited, but they are leaders in whatever it is that they're doing. And they impact each other. Their leadership impacts the other person. And, and, and what, um, you know, communication is important, that we are all different. And, and it's one of the main things that that we sometimes don't realize we are all different. That doesn't mean that I'm better than you, that you're better than, you know, it's, it's just, we just filter the world differently. And so when people come to that awareness that, that it's okay to be different, it, we just have to communicate in a way that we can collaborate, we can hear each other, we can listen to each other. Listening is like, wow, it's a huge, you know, it's just a valuable skill, but just listening and learning to listen to understand the next person. It's, it's a sort of like an art, lost art. And, and so that's, that's the basis of many miscommunications because people don't are just waiting for their turn to speak as opposed to really listening intently to the next, to the next person. So, yeah. It's a superpower. It's a superpower. Yeah. And I think, I know I'm guilty sometimes of, of, you know, speaking too much or, or, but I think you're right. When you can really actively listen to someone then you can hear the opportunity to try to make an impact. Absolutely. You know, I, I want to shift gears for a minute here. And um, 
I don't know if I'm spilling the beans, but I'm going to ask you anyway. <laughs> I maybe got an inkling that you're working with NIGP on something. Just talk about that. First of all, yeah. talk about Procurated and, and then talk about what you're doing with NIGP. Yeah, yeah. So um, Procurated is, is a ratings and review platform that I started back in the beginning of 2019, but I feel like I really started it when I was in Pennsylvania uh, <laughs> running procurement because I'm sure just like you in Cook County and Chicago and the university in Houston, when we did a procurement of any consequence and we would ask our suppliers for references and they would always give us three highly coached cherry picked references that invariably would say, this company is incredible or that company walks on water. And we knew the truth was actually something a little bit different. Uh, and so I, I realized even at the time back in, in, in the job in Pennsylvania that we were, we were headed on a really bad course because past performance is the single best predictor of future performance of a supplier. And if we're all we're relying on to, do, to understand past performance is what the suppliers give us, in that we should have no expectation that we're going to learn anything from this process. And so I, I, left, I left the job in Pennsylvania, went on to start a consulting company, GSS, which has been a, a great experience. Uh, and as part of that, I traveled a lot. So I and we came to Houston to see you and, yeah. and to Chicago to see you. And, and I realized that when I was traveling, if I wanted to stay in a nice business hotel, I would use TripAdvisor. And if I wanted to stay to get a, a great piece of deep dish pizza in Chicago, <laughs> I'd go to Yelp. And I would learn and I'd have these great experiences as I was traveling because I was relying on the wisdom of other people, hundreds or thousands of other people, not just relying on what a, what a website or restaurant would tell me. And I thought to myself, I wonder if we can apply the same approach to government procurement, because just as there are a hundred people staying at the Sheridan in Chicago, there are a hundred people in Chicago who are working with Granger. And so could they all go to the same website and easily share their experience with Granger so that next time I'm considering which MRO supplier to work with, I can read reviews of Granger and Fastenal and MSC and, and other suppliers and make a decision that's informed not by the references that they gave me, but by the real experiences that hundreds or thousands of people have had with these same suppliers. So that's what inspired the creation of Procurated. And uh, yeah, it's been a great, it's been a great experience so far. Oh um, my gosh, that, that, you know, and the thing is, you know, this is so valuable because when you get the experiences, you know, like the references, you know, they're going to be good, right? Um, so, so why, and then plus it takes so, so uh, much time to connect with a person to right. ask it. And so that's time, you know, the time is ticking. So having a website where, or, or a, a system where you can go in, it's like, okay, let me check the references of this uh, particular supplier. Right. It saved tremendous amount of time. So oh. what a great idea. Commend you for that. Wow. Thank you. Well, you know, I always think that the best ideas come from our own personal experience, right? Yes. I mean, your ideas on how to teach leadership came from your own personal experiences, and this did too. And I've been so lucky um, over the last, you know, year and or two years and almost two and a half years now to be able to pull together 
this great team of people who have built very similar companies, very similar um, software packages, very similar products to what we're building from companies like Yelp and TripAdvisor and Angie's List and, and a bunch others. Uh, wow. And they inspire me. And, and I get excited every day to be able to share my knowledge of public procurement with them because it helps them build a product that then can serve you and the people in Cook County and the people in Houston and everywhere else who really could use a tool like this to, to help them. So uh, it's been a real thrill, Lourdes. Um, I never thought when I was in my procurement job that I'd be running a software company, um, but, um, but it's been a lot of fun. Wow. I mean, and what a great way to kind of transition because you're still in procurement, you're still adding value and, and it's something that you can draw from your experience. And, but what a great idea. Why, why didn't you do this when I was in Cook County? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> you know, it's like you, um, you learn along the way, you have moments of inspiration. And I think all of us have a hundred ideas a day, 99 of which are bad, one of which is good. And I just got lucky enough to be able to act on the one that was good. But that brings me to NIGP. So, oh yeah, I'm waiting for that one. Cause <laughs> it's like, okay, is he going to tell me? <laughs> well, and you're right, Lord, is that, you know, so many good things in my life come back to NIGP. I, I've learned so much from attending forums. Uh, I learned so much when I was a member of NIGP. My first meeting when I was with the state was with PAPA, which is our local NIGP chapter, my very first meeting. So I've learned so much from NIGP. I've met so many incredible people like you through NIGP. And so um, when the time came to give back something to NIGP, I, I jumped at it. So um, we are launching a partnership um, with NIGP. Uh, as I'm sure you know, because you've been so active and such a leader in NIGP, it's a tough time now for all associations, including NIGP, with the pandemic, with the recession, governments are trying to find ways to save money. And I think it's a mistake, but they, they tend to cut back first on travel and then on memberships and associations. And so mm -hmm. I think that you know, NIGP is, is concerned, as they should be, that you know, some members aren't going to be able to afford a membership in NIGP this year after years and years and chapters won't be able to afford it. And so we partnered with NIGP and we made a, a commitment to them that every review written by an NIGP member or through NIGP sphere of influence uh, on Procurated on our website, which is Procurated.com, every review that comes in, we're going to give a $5 donation to NIGP scholarship fund. And you might say, well, $5, that doesn't really do much. That's not going to pay for anything. Well, today we have 25,000 reviews on the Procurated platform. So if we can get anywhere near that kind of volume of people from NIGP, we can make a real difference, I think, together and allow some really meaningful and really deserving procurement professionals to be able to participate in NIGP this year when they maybe otherwise couldn't. And wow. for me, this is, like, I think, the ultimate win-win. So wow. if you take 60 seconds and you write a review about a supplier you've worked with on Procurated, number one, you're helping the community because maybe someone else will see it and either avoid a bad supplier or pick a great supplier because of your recommendation. And then second, your 60 seconds will help in some way pay for one of your peers across the country 
to be able to go to NIGP events this year. So I'm thrilled about this partnership and, and um, excited to be able to give back a little something to NIGP. Wow, that's, that is really awesome. And, you know, I, I don't think that you mentioned that it, it might not be uh, $5 might not be enough, but it's significant. It is something significant. And it's something that is that is uh, going to help someone either get their, continue their membership or go to forum or, you know, whatever, you know, th- that the purpose might be. So I, I think it's important to give back. And, you know, I commend you for, for that and how exciting. And I hope that members that are listening, that, that they jump in and and put a review is not going to take them that long. Plus, it's going to help someone in the profession uh, continue their journey and learning and growing. So, wow. It's like, <laughs> thank you for sharing that. I was sure. like curious. You know, I, I in the same veins, I started a, a webinar program. And this was to kind of help because of the training has been limited for the like chapters and organizations and just uh, for a, a small amount I I made sort of like a membership uh, program for chapters to uh, and, and I'm going to be doing webinars uh, once a month uh, for the entire year and so wow. I, I was kind of testing it right and uh, so for the price of one they're going to get 12 and they can have all of their members attend and uh, what I went and did is I I matched it to the competencies of the certifications like NIGP CPP and the UPPCC CPPO and CPPB and then went to the organizations and asked them if they would accepted as credit uh, towards the recertification and they said yes. And so that's an, another incentive and, and just to help uh, members uh, uh, maintain their certifications if, if they can't go you know full out and, and, and take a, a, a training that is going to cost them you know money that they don't have. So I love that and you know it just shows you know when you talk before about leadership, right that's leadership right, right there is, is your understanding the challenges people have and, and meeting them there. And I think it's just a, another reason why your daughter should be so proud to be, <laughs> to be in your family and, and what a great way to show, to show with your own actions what leadership yeah. looks like. Thank you. Um, Thank you. I know we probably only have a little more time, Lourdes, um, although you and I could probably talk for hours. But My gosh, yes. Uh, I, would, I, I know that you've been working with lots of organizations during this crazy time of the pandemic and COVID and working from home. Tell me what that has meant in terms of leadership. You know, when when everything shut down, I I was looking for. I had all this material and I wanted to um, offer it to people as um, some training, some a, a way to kind of get together. And four of us kind of got together, and um, it was Marquita, Jeannie, and Stacy, Greg. We got together. Jeannie formed a. a Facebook uh, group, which was intended to be more kind of for us. And all of a sudden it grew to 250 and we're at close to 500 women. <laughs> and so we started there just, uh, I, what I did is I, I started offering what I had and what I had to offer was training. And so we started a mastermind and then I started two others. And so, so I've been communicating 
with people throughout. And, and some people have stayed with me like the entire year. And, and so it's been very, very rewarding. And it's been great to, to stay in touch with people. But, but also, you know, it's difficult for some people that are by themselves, that, that you know, this really means isolation and not being able to see colleagues. And, and it's very hard. Uh, and it's been very hard in many fronts. Some people have lost loved ones. Uh, so by doing this and also uh, creating that group, we've been we've seen the support of everyone. And, and I think that we give the best of us when, especially in, in times like this. And so that has been a positive. But I want to turn around and ask you, what has this been for you? And, and how are you going to transition back? Yeah, it's a good question. And, and I, I, I'll sort of, you know, take a page from you here on this, which is, I think that in times like the ones we've been through as a country over the last, you know, 14 months or so, it's that it's those kind of times that we really need each other because these events are very isolating. They're isolating personally, they're isolating professionally, they're isolating with your proximity to other people. Right. And the more we can find community with each other, the more successful we can be. And I, and I love what you're doing with your group. I'll tell you, you know, I, that's what I view Procurate is, is really it's a community of practitioners who are sharing with each other. So um, I think you and I have a very similar perspective on this. I will say that um, I believe very strongly that if, if you're an employee and you can't relate to the mission of your organization, you shouldn't be there. And for us, the pandemic really brought our mission into stark relief at Procurated because it's one thing to say, you know, find the best widget supplier that nobody cares about. But as we've seen over the last year, especially at the beginning of the pandemic, you know, there are hospitals and nurses and doctors who are depending on quality PPE, gowns, masks, gloves, and they were getting so much stuff that wasn't right, it was faulty, that malfunctioned. They were paying money for items that never even showed up. And what it told all of us in the country and in my company within Procurated is how critically important it is to understand about a supplier's performance. And if you really don't know about a supplier's past performance, you probably shouldn't be working with them. Right. We all right. saw that play out every day in the newspapers. And, and now that we're knock on wood beyond the pandemic, and we don't have these same crises. It's a lesson that I hope we all don't forget that understanding about a supplier's past performance, whether it's in a crisis or whether it's in normal times is so important. And so the pandemic in many ways was a very interesting organizing force for us, for everyone who works in my company to understand just how important their job is. And so if you're a technology guy or woman who's spending their day coding, your ability to use your skills to help someone in the, in the middle of America find a great supplier or avoid a bad one could impact the lives of not just one, but thousands of people. And to me, that's very powerful. You know, that that's so true. Let me just um, give you one, one comment here. And that is the role of, of procurement um, as well. My, you know, for the longest time, my daughter didn't know what I what I did, and 
I told her I, I shop with other people's money for a living. <laughs> and, and so she, uh, when this, the whole pandemic broke out, so we went on lockdown and everything was, was chaos. Um, my daughter was in the front lines. Well, you know, she was um, in the hospital uh, doing the rotation. And, and she told me, we have PPE because procurement got ahead of the game and got us all the things we needed. And so that brought really to a higher level of awareness, the role of procurement to, you know, the front lines and what they do and how they contribute to the mission. And so that was, um, that was a really uh, rewarding moment to, to get her to understand that what mommy has been doing sort of like behind the scenes, it's important to uh, the front lines, so. I mean, I can't think, Lourdes, of a better way to end this conversation. Yes. You know, we, we always talk about how procurement matters and how procurement is central to everything, but so many people think they could be a buyer because they buy stuff in their, in their personal lives. And what an incredible story that your daughter, who for years watched you go off to work and probably didn't maybe think twice about what that meant, now as a professional in her own right, realizes how important your work was and how important the work of our community is. So absolutely very powerful and, 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 and what an incredible way for us to close today's conversation. And I, I hope we do this again because it was a lot of fun. Yes. And, yes. Uh, I, you know, you. Yeah, no, I, I, I really want to thank you for taking the time because I, this, I, I mean, I really enjoy this conversation and I think that it's uh, value added to to the communities that, that we serve. So, so thank you so much, uh, David. I, I, I really appreciate you. So. You too, Lourdes. You. Uh, I will see you in Chicago when things get safe. Yeah, looking forward to that. Or NIGP. Yes, <laughs> bye now. Bye, thank you. Thanks for listening to Decisions That Matter. This podcast is brought to you by Procurated, the leading supplier evaluation tool for procurement professionals across the U.S. Don't forget to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you prefer to listen. See you again next time.